everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ope. We are the Ohana Packers Edition podcast. I am Iowa Joe. As you can see, my normal co-host partner is not here in my Kwano, but we are kind of having a throwback this week and going back to the original, original show and bringing back the Outback Packers gang with my old, my good friend and former co-host, Nick Gregory. Nick, it's been a bit. You reached out to me, said you wanted to come back for a little bit. So, you know, tell us what you've been up to. Yeah. Um, again, thanks. Thanks so much for having me back on, Joe. Um, you know, I, I, I love doing this podcast and it, it was uh, it was pretty hard to kind of stop. But yeah, I was definitely I was feeling the itch. And I need to come come and talk with someone is, you know, as always, there's no one to really talk about things over here with. So I really need just to find you or Mike or Brian or whatever just to talk to you. Um, but yeah, I mean, since uh, kind of taking a break. Um, yeah, yeah, I've been focusing heaps on like my university stuff, um, you know, university kind of hit a lot harder than I thought it would. I thought it would be a lot easier than working full time and it's kind of harder in a way. Um, and yeah, you know, I'm just kind of doing my own thing. Um, I was saying to, I was saying to Joe before that I'm, I'm really trying to get around to be, be able to play football over here. Um, yeah, I haven't really been able to play over the past couple of years because of like COVID and um like being too busy from work you know working like 50 60 hours as a chef and then you know working uh, having even more time at university studying um so yeah you know it's, it's nice to just kind of like slowly get my my uh, affairs in order yeah that's great and yeah we had a long conversation about that uh before recording so you know a lot of luck to you and you know go out there and kick some Aussie ass or however you guys put it down there. But um, no, that's great. And, you know, I, I've told you before and everything, but you're always welcome to come on whenever, cause you are one of the OGs of this podcast. So, you know, I, I was given Kawano a little bit of a hard time that I wasn't going to need him anymore. Cause you know, my, my, my old podcast partner was coming back, but obviously it was just a joke and all that. So anyway, on this special episode, we are, I know last week uh, we had said that we were going to do our award show, but we're going to put that on a little, uh, a week hold because obviously the big news is the Packers did do the expected from fans, but not expected anything else that they did fire Joe Barry. It wasn't a, a, a non-contract renewal as a lot of us kind of expected because he had one year left on his contract. So it was a straight fire. You know, obviously it was a hard thing for for Matt LaFleur to do, being that they did know each other, they were friends, but I'm glad that they realized something needed to be changed. So, and, and Nick and I were kind of talking about this before the show where we're kind of glad they haven't made a decision on it quite yet. That way we could do this episode and still have a little bit of time to put it out without any issues. But Nick, you know, Obviously, what's your feelings behind with the firing of Joe Barry and LaFleur stepping up and doing what was needed? Yeah, um, you know, I think obviously I'm, you know, as always, not never happy that someone's like losing their job and getting fired and things like that. But I think we all can pretty much agree this needed to happen a year ago, really. Um, but, you know, I think people, you know, are really easy. It's really easy for people to forget that. Matt LaFleur was one of the youngest head coaches in NFL history when he was hired. He was not like, you know, he was not some super experienced guy. He'd, he'd barely been a coordinator for a few years. Um, and, you know, he, you know, he's still learning on the job 
and I think you know uh, it's a really important for him, especially in the NFL, where he would have he would have gotten to where he was, you know, because he was friends with Sean McVay, he was friends with Kyle Shanahan. Right. He, he he also benefited from the same systems that helped Joe Barry get to where he was as a defensive coordinator for the Packers. So yeah, I'm sure he probably felt like he maybe maybe owed him, and you know they're obviously close personal friends, and I think you know it's a a tough lesson for him to learn. That, you know, maybe he did have a, a wasted year or two in there that was because of the defense or, you know, they didn't get to where they could have been because of the defense. And I think that this is him or a sign of him kind of realizing that, you know, there is a certain way you need to act when you're the head coach and you need to really take control, you know, and it, it, it can be really hard. You know, it's really hard to work with people that are you're, you're good friends with, especially when they're not meeting the expectations of what you need from them. So, you know, hats off to him. And yeah, he, he is learning on the job. And you know, good, good, good. The good sign is that you know his play calling has gotten better this year. I mean, was outstanding. The progress and the player development was something we hadn't really seen as much in season before. Um, yeah, and I think it's just a really great sign to Matt Lafleur's growth because you know, I'm really a really big believer. But there are going to be more mistakes. You know, there are going to be more frustrating moments, and there's going to be probably another shit higher or two down the line. Um, you know, and he's young, but I, I do have confidence that he will learn, and this is a step in the right direction. And I'll be honest, I'm surprised there hasn't been more moves on the defensive coaching side. Uh, they did also fire the the strength and conditioning coordinator, Chris Gizzy or Geizy or however he pronounces his name. That could just I I know, and I, I wish I could. I, I could go back and find out who tweeted it, but somebody said that the strength and conditioning for the Packers is kind of archaic compared to uh, some of the other teams in the league. So I'm wondering if they're taking a long, hard look at why they're getting some of the soft tissue injuries and saying, Hey, we need to change this up. We need a fresher opinion or a fresher type of person in there to get the, and that could be why they're also sending Christian Watson and Eric Stokes to the Madison medical facility to go through tests and go through the studies down there to figure out why they're dealing with these constant hamstring issues but yeah I mean I I don't want to I I will never 100% celebrate somebody losing their job. It sucks, whatever. But a little bit of me is happy that, like I said, he did finally figure out we got to make a change. Otherwise, this team isn't going to move forward. That he realized that Joe Barry wasn't the guy that he needed to have the defense take that next step, considering all the talent that is on that defense. So, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a sad day for Barry, but it's also a happy day for the Packers in knowing that we're going to be able to move forward. And like you said, there are going to be some, you know, shit hires here or there. And again, I'll repeat, I'm surprised there wasn't more moves. As much as I hate talking bad about a former Hawkeye, I think Jerry Montgomery needs to be moved on from, you know, the D-line really hasn't been up to par. I know they looked better this year, and I think a lot of that has to do with not playing Kenny Clark at nose primarily letting him move out to the edge a little bit more and letting Slayton be that nose type of player in this defense. But it going forward, you know, we're going to talk about some possible candidates 
and some of the guys that they've already interviewed today. And, you know, the big rumor right now, well, let's just go ahead and get into it. The big rumor right now is they've already offered the position to Christian Parker, who was the Broncos defensive back coach. I, I Like I was telling Nick earlier, I, I can't really talk much about other coaches, not like head coaches, but like coordinators and position coaches because in a fan mind, they're a dime a dozen. So it's hard to keep track of how many of them are out there and what who does what and how well this one does. So from a fan perspective, it's not always, not always great to get our opinions on who should be a, a coordinator. I mean, if you ask the majority of Packer fans, I'm sure they would tell you, oh, well, Donald Driver needs to come in as the wide receiver coach and and Al Harris needs to be the defensive coordinator and Charles Woodson needs to be the defensive back coach and you need to bring Clay Matthews in as the, the linebacker coach because we all know how they were when they were playing, but that doesn't always make a good coach. So, mm-hmm. you know, but... From everything that it sounds like Christian Parker is the up-and-coming choice for a lot of people when it comes to defensive coordinator, uh, some of the things that were that's been passed around on Twitter is that, you know, he's been through three different reg- regimes in Denver, so that means, you know, they, he's well thought of. He's, you know, he's a, he's a player's coach. You know, all his players give him rave reviews. He's young. We we looked it up. He's 32 years old, so obviously that would be in the the Matt Lafleur like realm of young unknown type guy come in and work on that in that side of the ball like Lafleur was. So it and by all rumors, I, I think it was Andrew Mertig and or Mortog or however you pronounce his last name. Sorry, Andrew, I, I'm not good with names. And then Brian Moffey both were talking about their inside sources, both said that the Packers did offer it to Christian Parker. I nothing nobody else has confirmed anything. Obviously, none of the beat writers have said anything. So what what are we thinking, Nick? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, there's been, been a lot made of, you know, um, telling telling Matt LaFleur to kind of find his own Matt LaFleur. You know, there was that whole thing with when Sean McVay hires Brandon Staley, he was told by Les Need to find his own Sean McVay. Um, you know, I really think that's kind of what Matt LaFleur is going for. And, you know, I think, you know, we've kind of um, uh, ranked a lot of these guys actually based on on, on their age. If you look at the the confirmed interviews they've had so far or requested, it, none of these guys are over the age of forty five, and most, the, the three of them are ages yeah forty, forty one, and thirty two. So they, they're clearly looking for an injection of youth, an injection of energy, and someone who I think I think they, I do really do think they're looking to be multiple and be diverse. Someone who can kind of emulate the effect that Lafleur has, where he can shift what he's doing, and they, they can they can be flexible in their approach trying to replicate that with the defense um and you know it's it is really interesting to kind of think about what what christian parker's defense will look like in the nfl because you know i mean it is like a risk like let's 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 acknowledge that even though he is young and is exciting there is a risk someone who's never called plays before someone who's never been a defensive coordinator um i imagine he's in those meetings and he you know he is 
is contributing to a high level, but there is no real evidence besides what the coaches know of him um, that we can really draw on to really judge this in, in, a, in a fair and accurate way. So, you know, the things that I, I do um, really like about Christian Parker is that, like you said, Joe, he's a, he's a real players coach. I mean, players really, really love playing Christian Parker. Um, and something that, you know, he has is he has, he has a real talent for working with DBs. I mean, Jair had, has had his best years working with Christian Parker as the um, uh, defensive quality control coach on our staff. Yeah, that's one thing I forgot to mention was he, he had yeah. been with the Packers under Patton. Which is also kind of the last time the Packers had a good defense, uh, not including playoffs. Um, right. Um, and, and, and in in um, in Denver, I mean, you look at the the kind of resume of cornerbacks that he's worked with and DBs in general. I mean, Pat Sertan, that's a perennial All Pro from 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 the second he walked in that door, incredibly talented corner. And then guys like Ronald Darby, Kareem Jackson. Justin Simmons, you know, these guys are all extremely like, high-end talents. And he obviously worked with Ejiro Evero, and that was a fantastic top five, top three type defense. And I always, personally, I give a lot more credence to defenses that have to drag along the other unit or, you know, vice versa. A good offense has to drag along a bad defense because, you know, complementary football, it makes it harder. And the fact that they were still so talented when they were playing, you know, so far from behind, um, you know, like they... They, it, 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 to me, that that's really impressive. Like the fact that they maintain their success. Also, as a player, I imagine it would be pretty exhausting having to deal with a, a shit offense the entirety of the season, kind of knowing that your your efforts are most likely not going to be rewarded. So, you know, I, I do really value that his ability to kind of communicate resilience and good technique and consistency across the course of the season. Um, and you know, there was that kind of there's a snippet that was that was put up uh, yesterday, um, of an interview of of Christian Parker where he was. You know, kind of breaking down the details of the coaching and stuff, and a lot of sources have kind of highlighted his ability to adapt. And you know, the fact, like you said, Joe, the fact he's worked on the three different systems: uh, Vance Joseph, Mike Patton, Edgerio Evero. Um, you know, they, they, they're all they're all like distinct. They all come, you know, Rex Ryan tree, Fangio tree. They're all very very different. Um, and I think his ability to kind of shift priority and keep that buy-in from the players again last this past this past season, the defense was pretty awful to start the year. They lit up that big seventy-point burger, um, but then as the season went on, they actually did get quite a lot better. Um, and again, that's that, that's a big big ups for me. But as far as what he will actually look like, it's pretty difficult to predict because we really just don't know. Yeah, there's there's no way to tell on anything. And I know some people, I mean, a lot of people are liking the age factor, but some are also looking that he was, you know, he is a petting uh, uh, prodigy and, well, you know, Petten didn't do much for us. Well, yeah, Petten did what he could with what he had. Now, was Mike Petten great? No, but he still had better seasons than like a Joe Barry in that. But like you said, it's a Rex Ryan tree. I, and it's not going to change the Packers scheme up too much. It, it's still going to be reliant on the things that the Packers defense has been relying on for the last, you know, you could probably say six to 10 years. So it just, it, it, they need a different voice. They need a younger guy in there. Somebody who can make 
the adjustments that need to be made because we saw that with Joe Barry that he just couldn't adjust for anything. If it went against his, his scheme, you know, he couldn't adjust to that. So just to get somebody new in there per se, like, like we mentioned earlier, he was with the Packers for what, two, three years as an two years as an assistant. So they do know him. They do know what he's like. So obviously he's going to have preference over some of these other ones. The only other one that I could think of that would be preference. And I wonder if they just gave him an interview because it's, how do I want to say it's, it's a, a friend, a friendship type thing. He, you know, here, I'm going to give you one, you know, or I owe you one from something else. So here I'll bring you in for interview is Brandon Staley. I'm not a big fan of bringing Brandon Staley in as the defensive coordinator. So, like I said, I think it's just one of those, you know, hey, we're going to bring you in. We're going to talk to you just to, out of a courtesy. That's what I was looking for, just a courtesy to bring you in as an interview. Yeah. But, you know, we're going to be looking at a different spot. The other two that we were that we have wrote down here that they've already been interviewed or requested interviews for is Bobby Babbage, the linebacker coach out of the Bills, and Aiden Durden. Durde, Durde? Again. Yeah. Uh, there you go again. I, uh, I then, suck at yeah, names. Then, yeah. So, but he's the defensive line coach out of the Cowboys. And I know that's not the defensive guy that the Packer fans want. You know, everybody's clamoring for Al Harris. And I even put him in my article a few weeks back. But you can only go for who wants to be a coach. And if Al doesn't want to be a coordinator, then Al, Al Harris is not going to be a coordinator. I, but, I also do. I also do think Al, Al is definitely not ready. I know it's kind of funny to say that Christian Parker is ready when he's thirty-two, and Al Harris isn't ready, and he's like what forty-four now. Yeah, he's got to be mid to late forties. Um, I'd have to look it up. Yeah, for sure, but and I, I, I think even Al himself would probably probably say that he's probably if he's being fully honest, isn't fully ready. He's not. He's not like um, some super like long storied coach, you know. Um, yeah, I I think that that is like just to, to interrupt quickly. I think that's like that's like a nope, really that's like risky, like kind of shooting for the moon type move. When I think there's probably better people to bet on instead of Al Harris. Uh, no, for sure. And I, the only reason I really looked at him is because he already has the ties with the Packers, and at that time, yeah, he had been working well with the defensive backs for the Cowboys. And I think he was with, what was the other team he was with? Was he with the, he was with the chiefs. He was with the chiefs for a bit. So, I mean, he's done well again. Can he call the plays? I don't know. This is just at the time when I made my article, it was one of those outside the box type things, because that's the type of thing the Packers kind of need is that outside the box type of hire, not, you know, the continuous retread of failed defensive coordinators in the league. Hmm. Um, briefly, I, I do want to actually touch back on the Brandon Saley thing quickly as well. Um, I I think it is quite interesting just how much the perception of Brandon Saley has shifted over the past three years. Um, he obviously, the offenses were not fantastic 
in um, in in LA the past three years. You know, I mean, we, we kind of saw that firsthand, even with the, the struggling Packers offense this year. We still kind of managed to cut through. Um, but I do think it is really important to recognize what he did that year in LA, um, because you know, for all the the shit that he's been given and you know, game management, blah blah blah, things change so drastically when you are a head coach. And I mean, dude, like, look today, literally, you know, by the time we record this, an hour ago, Steve Spagnuolo for the for the Chiefs, former head coach, did an awful job, you know, whether it was his fault or whatever. Um, he, you know, awful head coach, kind of floated around for a little bit, came back as the the, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, and now they're going to their fourth Super Bowl in five years, uh, two of which they've won. Um, you know, it's like just because someone did not have success at a higher level does not mean that they're going to be a fantastic coordinator. Yeah, and that, that is always kind of the risk that you take when you elevate to a head coach. And that's why some guys who aren't super scheme driven, like a Dan Campbell, um, can can still have success because it's just, it's a different role. You're more of a people manager and, you know, you, you have different, different, uh, different strengths and different sort of expectations as a head coach. When you're just a coordinator, you know, I think things are, are quite different. And you know, people always point to Jalen Ramsey and um, and Aaron Donald, obviously, on that on that defense. And yeah, that's true, obviously. But for one, Jalen Ramsey had never been used the way that he was used that year in LA. And they the way they moved him around was incredibly unique at the time. Um, the other corners that they had on the roster were not particularly special. They had, uh, you know, like guys like Josh Johnson were having like career years. The linebackers were playing above expectation. Hashtag thank you, Joe Barry. And the rest of the D-line was also not shit. Like, uh, it, it's not like it's not like those two guys were just Superman saving the rest of the team. That that, that was uh, an, an incredible defense, you know. Um, so I think yeah, and it's just really too important to recognize because he didn't do so well as a head coach that he's not an idiot. Like, and there's a reason why Sean McVay, who is a genius, did hire him as defensive coordinator. Well, and I don't necessarily think he's an idiot, and I don't think I'm necessarily, in my opinion, I can't speak for everybody else, but in my opinion, I. It's not that I think he'd be a bad coordinator. It's just I think we would still be seeing a retread of what Joe Barry was doing here. And, you know, sometimes a scheme will work in certain situations, and I just don't think that type of scheme is going to work for what the Packers did. If it was going to work, then we wouldn't have had such subpar play with what Joe Barry was doing. So I just – I. I and I don't want to see the continuous bringing in of, and I know this is going to sound nuts because we all know that teams do this anyway, but I don't want to see the continuous rotating door of Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay friends just, all right, well, we don't want them anymore. You go ahead and put them on your staff. Mm -hmm. uh, well, we don't want them anymore. You go ahead and put them on your staff and, you know, make them happy. That's why I'm kind of okay with some of the outside the box ones, like uh, the one, you know, a couple of them from the Cowboys. I actually looked at a couple of the guys, and I think Babbage was one of them for the Bills when I did mm -hmm. my article earlier in the year. Uh, Parker, I, I understand that one. There's a couple others that I kind of mentioned in my article that we'll get to here in a minute, but I, I'm not saying Staley can't be a good coordinator. I just don't think his type of scheme will continue, will be what is going to be good for the Packers. 
So, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I think. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think that you were saying he was going to be a bad coordinator. So I think I was, I was more projecting to the rest of uh, what I right. And I was just fun. giving my view mm-hmm. of it, and I think some other people's view, not necessarily all a Packer fandom, but some other people that I've talked to when it comes to defensive coordinators. I think even Kawano said the same thing that it would just be another Joe Barry type scheme, which is not what this Packers group is built for. Well, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like scheme wise, it definitely would be like quite similar. I do think it would be probably a little bit better. Um, and I also just think, yeah, like the way they've drafted, you know, I think me and Kwan have talked about this as well. Like the way they have drafted is not necessarily kind of the best for what their system is, which is also kind of a bit weird the disconnect from, from Gutekunst to the, the defensive coordinator. Um, yeah, I, I definitely do agree that for, for this team right now, for what they have, if they're going to try and win this coming season, they're not really equipped to be running that system. Um, but yeah, I, I was like, like blowing back on people who were like, you know, oh, Brandon Saylor's yeah. an idiot or like, or even like I, I saw this, 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 I saw this last week um, when Vic Fangio kind of decided to you know, jump off the Dolphins to move back close to his family. People saying, you know, oh, Vic Fangio, he's like, systems like done, he's not a good coach, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, did you guys like watch the NFL for the past six years, seven years? Like he's... He, he's like still a premier defensive mind and one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. What he did for that Dolphin squad is also still incredibly impressive considering how many injuries they had. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I find that really jarring that people are like, maybe, maybe it's time to start overreacting to like the casual fan base, but people, the fact that people have like stopped respecting Vic Fangio is like incredibly mind-blowing because if he was hired in Green Bay, I think everyone should have been very happy with that. I think I would have been happy with it, but I'm also of the mindset that I want to get some young blood into the Absolutely. NFL ranks. And I, even though I don't like the team per se, I wouldn't have minded if they would have took a chance on like a Jesse Manor from Michigan, even oh, though we absolutely. all knew once, once Harbaugh took the job and with the chargers that he was going to pretty much kind of poach all the coaches he could from Michigan. Yeah, but yeah, or, you know, at the time, I, I'm not, I've kind of wore off on it a little bit, but at the time, I was kind of okay with them offering to Jim Leonard, even though, again, I'm not a big fan of Wisconsin. The, it was going to bring the new blood in because, again, mm-hmm. if you look at everywhere, all it is is retreads, retreads, retreads. Well, you know, what's the definition of insanity? continuously doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And that's what you get when you start retreading is just, you get the same shit over and over again. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And that's not what we need for the team right now. We need something that if it's going to work, then we need it to stay around for a long time. If it's not going to work, then we know we can cut ties and bring somebody else in. Totally. Totally agree. Yeah. And that's why when I looked at mine, even though a couple of the guys that I got on my list are above the 45 age mark, they're still relatively new in the talk of coordinator ranks. So hmm. uh, I, I think we pretty yeah. much touched on all the already interviewed guys. So let's go ahead and talk about some of the the, the possibles. Unless you got something else you want to talk about with the... Um. Oh, no, no, I mean, I, 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 as I'm touching on, like, a lot of these are kind of older candidates that get considered for coaching, like, you know, in their 50s or 40s, 
Okay, a lot of times it is because they spend time either like you know baking in the college college world or you know, they're ex players, especially if they've played into their thirties or hung around. The, the timeline is just delayed. You know, um, it's I think it's not like yeah. an, and also the same way it's also not an indictment on a younger coach. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, especially now in the modern NFL, we're a lot more receptive to it. But um, yeah, it shouldn't. I think an age shouldn't be necessarily an indictment one way or the other. It's more like what experience you have and what kind of person you are, in my opinion. And I think a lot of people look at the age thing because they want somebody who can mesh with the players. Well, when you start mm. getting 20-something players and 50 to 60-something coaches, you know, the, you don't tend to think that that can mesh well with each other. But it can work. You know, look at Tom Clements. He was – he's, what, in his late 60s? Yeah. And yeah. he not only meshed with Aaron Rodgers, but – He's also meshing with Jordan Love. So it can happen. It just, I think a lot of guys figure that if I bring in a coach that's, you know, mid to late 30s, early 40s, he'll be able to get along better with a 20-something, 20-something-year-old uh, kid, player, that they'll listen to him a little bit more. Because when you start, it's kind of like when you go to school and your teacher is in its in their 60s, and you're, you know, 15, 16 years old, you look at them as an authority figure then more than you do as a friend. And mm. I, I think that's the same way it goes with coaching. But anyway, that's that's a psychology type thing. And I'm not a psychologist by no means. And I would love never to be a psychologist. So, you know, we'll leave that for a different podcast. <laughs> but anyway, you know, yeah, yeah. And I'm not doing that. I don't get paid enough to even mess with psychology but you know well let's talk about some of the possibles and obviously a couple of the ones that i've got on here i'm i pulled straight from my article so it, it, it's i, I kind of cheated in a bit but honestly the two top ones that i have are johnny holland the linebackers coach for the 49ers and anthony weaver the dl coach for the ravens i i said in my article that those two teams having the having a solid of defenses as they have, there's no way you can bypass not considering one for a defensive coordinator position, unless it's a situation like Al Harris where he just I don't want to call plays. Then you can't force it onto him, you know, whatever. But Anthony Weaver, if I remember right, has had has had experience as a defensive coordinator. He's also been a position coach for a long time. And I think right now with the Ravens, he's even a the assistant head coach. Assistant head coach. So yeah. So he's got tons of experience for only being 43. We made sure to look at ages on some of these guys to kind of mm -hmm. fit them in with our thing. So 43 years old. I liked him a little bit more as the or beings that he was a defensive line coach because that's one of the things that's really hurting the Packers right now has been that defensive line play so if we can get somebody in there with a little bit more of a defensive line type mentality then it would help us out and I'm still also banking that they won't get rid of Greg Williams because I think Greg Williams has done a hell of a job with the mm -hmm. defensive backs that he has been dealing with this this past season yeah so you know if we can keep him and say hey the defensive backs are all yours and then the rest of the defense is all mine. We're going to be good. 
as long as you're following scheme and we're working together, everything's going to be gravy. So that's what I kind of thought with Anthony Weaver. And then Johnny Holland, again, kind of like I said with Al Harris, he's got the Packer ties. He was he played for the Packers for a long time. He is in the Packers Hall of Fame. Can, can, can I can I also talk, talk can I just also talk a little bit about Anthony Weaver? Yep, I was going to give you a shot. I just because I mentioned Holland and Weaver together, I was mm-hmm. going to get everything out and let you have it. So give me just one minute to finish up my thought process before my old age forgets. Um, <laughs> but Johnny Holland, former Packer, Packers Hall of Fame, he's done a hell of a job as the linebacker coach for the 49ers. He's got other experiences with other teams. I just can't remember him off the top of my head. But he's the type of guy that I think could step in, give the 49ers type scheme that I, I really think that it's all well, it's also the McVeigh Shanahan tree. So I, I think that would give LaFleur the type of scheme he wants on defense. But Anthony Weaver, Johnny Holland, either one I think would be outside of who they've already interviewed. I think would be my top choices. Now you can go ahead. I didn't. No, think absolutely. Anything, I don't think. <laughs> so yeah, Anthony Weaver is kind of my guy in this in this coaching high cycle. Is like the kind of like bang bang the table kind of guy. Um, yeah. You know, I really I really think like I so for a little bit of context, Baltimore is like, is sort of my my second team. Um, if, if if the Packers didn't exist, the Baltimore would be my team. Um, I just I. I love everything about their process and their front up front office, especially is super admirable. Um, obviously the, the work that they've done with defense again, the past, like, you know, I mean the whole time they've been around really since they've been the Baltimore Ravens, the defense has been like a, a focus of their, of their, of their team structure. You know, I know Anthony Weaver played with the Ravens. Um, he was drafted in 2002 and he, he coached uh, for the jets and then eventually kind of came back. Um, I just think, you know, there's so many things he has going for him. I mean, this looked like this past season, obviously working with Mike McDonald, there's probably more him than Anthony Weaver, but the fact that he worked with him is so awesome. This um, really, really fresh, exciting new defense. You know, Mike McDonald is undisputably the, the best defensive coordinator in the NFL this season. I mean, he literally, in a playoff game, held Mahomes to zero points in an entire half of football, which is yeah. not a thing that happens ever i think we have to really recognize just how important and how, how exciting that is even though they still lost the game that's that that doesn't happen so um again i, I anthony weaver like he were he's he's, a, he's the d-line coach assistant head coach you know there's this on, on, ongoing constant just churning of the roster on, on, on the ravens d-line you know we had we, we had zadarius smith you know it's like all these guys who are like fifth rounders fourth rounders who just show up out of nowhere play like an all pro for a season or two and then just disappear. The next guy comes in, so on and so forth. Guys like Justin Matabike, uh, Jadevian Clowney's had a career, uh, career season this year. Uh, Odafe Owe, uh, yeah, like I said, Zedaria Smith, Travis Roquan, Jones. Roquan. Yeah, sure. Um, and like Broderick Washington, you know, all, the, all these guys who play for, for the Ravens are just so talented. And I love the way that they play as well. These like big guys who, like super effective pass rushes, but also very, very disciplined. Something everyone in the Packers struggles with, except for maybe Preston. And that's because he played somewhere else first. Right. Um, you know, that's kind of Rashawn's biggest weakness by a long shot is his lack of discipline when rushing and kind of refusal to set the edge in the run game. 
Um, I think that would immediately change if you had a guy like Anthony Weaver around, you know, kind of get that front short up and, you know, uh, let, let the DBs kind of handle themselves once we get some more talent in the room. Um, but yeah, it's a guy who's like has proven success. Again, Baltimore, for my money, the best uh, best defense in the NFL this season. Um, yeah, I have a few stats here. Um, in in the pre- previous two years, they have the second rest, best run defense in Baltimore by yards per game, uh, second best third down defense, and the fourth overall red zone defense. And that's just in, just in his time when he when he, he came back from coaching with the Jets. Um, yeah, I just think his, his resume is super impressive. His experience. He's an assistant head coach, which I think that LaFleur will really value. Um, and the only reason I can think of why they're not interviewing him already is because they literally weren't allowed to until about an hour ago. Um, yeah. So I really would have a tough time believing they don't interview anyone from the Baltimore sort of regime, especially coming off a strong defensive season. Yeah, and we talked about that before starting to record. That if the if I remember right, the rules are that if the team's still in the – playoffs that they can't interview for another position but i could be wrong i don't know but i thought that's how it was now it could be just you can't interview him for your head coaching position I, i'm not 100 sure on it but and, and the thing about the baltimore tree is unless and again i could be wrong i i am wrong nine times out of ten i think one of the assistants to brian gutekunst came from the Baltimore organization. Yeah, they're um their director of player personnel. I always forget his name. He's been yeah, with the team I can't think the of the whole either. time the Griffins have been here. Yeah. And that's the reason I, and I think that's part of the reason why they were able to sign some of the former Ravens that they have, like Zadarius and that. But uh he I, I think that would help in Mil- Milt Hendrickson. Fac- that's it. There you go. That would help facilitate maybe bringing a guy like Weaver on board. So, yeah, again, I, the only reason I we would think that he's not getting an interview is because they were in the playoffs still. But mm-hmm. you know, like, what what are you thinking about, like Johnny Holland, like I mentioned? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, again, like very very strong resume. He survived a few different regimes as well. Um, I just think, yeah, like being involved on, yeah, such a progressive stuff as well. You know, like they 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 have their their core ideals, like run defense, playing big, and they always play super physical. He, um, you know, they, they yeah, like they still they, they don't really have like a weakness. Obviously, you know, the, the run defense was not as good this season, um, and there's a few different reasons for that. Uh, I'm I'm not really going to try and blame the linebackers coach for right. entire team's defensive struggles on, on, on half of the, half the, the defense. But um, the fact is that the, the linebackers under him play extremely well. They, they always have pretty much the, the best linebacker room in the NFL. Um, Fred Warner is an all world talent in part because of the linebacker coaching, I would imagine. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I, I think he, he's a fantastic candidate. I am. Um, Personally, I think I'm I'm just really biased towards Weaver because I you know, I love that Baltimore coaching stuff. But I definitely think yeah, he's one of these guys who's definitely worth an interview. Absolutely, right. And that's all we're looking at right now are possible guys that could interview. Because I don't think Lafleur is just going to jump at somebody right away. Even though the rumors are that you know, again, supposedly according to some sources, you know, they've already offered it to Christian Parker. 
Nothing's been confirmed on it. We do know he was interviewed for sure, but nothing else is set. So I I have to believe that they're still going to be interviewing guys until they, they get to the point where, yeah, these are, this is our finalist. So uh, the next guy, and I've got to look back at my article for my information on him is Jason Tarver, the linebacker coach out of the Browns. And like I said, in my article itself, it's kind of weird when you're talking about bringing in a, a guy from a team like the Browns, but with the way their defense has played the last couple of seasons, it's hard to ignore them anymore. Yeah. The team overall hasn't been great. Yeah. They've been making some questionable decisions with some of their personnel. <clears throat> Deshaun rapist Watson, um, mm-hmm. you know, so there are, there are some things to kind of question with them, but, you know, you can't put that on everybody with the coaching staff. And I, I'm trying to get my website up here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm unprepared. Mike Kawano, and as you know, as my former co-host, I always put the preparedness on you guys. I just came in and, <laughs> and, and bullshitted. Um but he comes from the Jim Swartz tree. And I think that's the biggest thing right there is Jim Swartz has been one of the top coordinators in this league for a long time. You know, he was on the Super Bowl team for the, the Eagles. He, even though as a head coach, he wasn't great with Detroit, they still had a lot of good defenses there. The Browns, again, they've had a lot of good defenses the last few years under Schwartz. So it, it it's not out of the possibility to dip into it. He uh, 19 seasons in the league as a coach. Third is the Browns linebacker coach. At the time of the article, and I don't know if you have the stats up right now where you can look, but at the time that I wrote the article, the Browns were 11th in rushing yards allowed first in passing yards allowed and 12th in points allowed. So right there just tells you that they're way above what the Packers were for most of it. And, uh, you know, he spent three years with the Raiders as a defensive coordinator and they ranked, what was it? They ranked 10th in yards per carry. And he was a longtime coach with the 49ers under where he crossed paths with Shanahan. So there's a little bit of crossover there between LaFleur's tree that he came from and where Tarver came from. So you'd have to believe that he he could help with the discipline like you're talking about from Weaver beings that, you know, how much more discipline can you get than a Jim Schwartz-led defense? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't think this is this is this is a, this is an interesting one. I think um, obviously Jim Schwartz himself won a Super Bowl with the Eagles twenty seventeen. Um, again, you know, I, I always look at um, I I do really like the way that he structures his defense. You know, that we we kind of talk about being strong at the back end and strong at the uh, at at the point of attack at the line. Um, and he kind of lets though like the strengths of the team you know support the entirety of the team instead of kind of just leaning on one. You know, like Joe Barry had this thing where he. Just rarely used stunts, four man rushes all day, barely blitzed unless you really, really needed to. Um, and it kind of just like let the DBs, you know, get eaten alive if the defensive line just doesn't win. Um, right. You know, he, you know, yeah, he, he does a great job of like kind of uh, moving responsibility around. 
something that I think is really quite fascinating with the Browns this season. You know, again, for my money, if if the Baltimore was the best defense in football, these guys were the second best. I will say I am a bit apprehensive to hire I would be apprehensive to hire someone from this 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 iteration. You know, Jim Jim Swartz uh, is his first year in, in Cleveland this this past season. Um schematically they are not a disguising team. They don't try to trick you. They don't try to play mind games. They're not, you know, Baltimore was is crazy because they're they're moving people around before after the snap. It's like it's yeah, the equivalent of what sh- like Shanahan McVeigh with like the real ADHD motion thing just on the defensive yeah. side. Schwartz is like, we're gonna run this coverage and if you figure it out, beat us. Go do it. He's like he's it's almost like in a complete different sort of philosophy and he really leans on the big edges, Miles Garrett. Um can't remember who else is 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 uh on the other side, but well, Zadarius yeah. was out there for a bit this yes, year. Yes, exactly. That's it. Um, yeah, he, he really leans on. Yeah, you know, like I said, like the the point of attack to kind of squeeze those guys. But he's not really doing a lot of um, innovative stuff, sort of schematically. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I think um, you know it's definitely worth an interview. But personally, probably not my first choice. I think that what's happening in Cleveland right now is very much based on what players are in Cleveland. And like, even if, if you just lost Miles Garrett, again, if any defense lost their best player, it would make a big difference. But um, they they really hinge on the success of their of their best guys. And I'm probably, personally, I'm more interested in, in a team like Baltimore that it's really like a, some of their parts, uh, so greater than the sum of their parts. You know, you, you know what I'm saying? Like they, right, right. they don't... Like Baltimore has also consistently had so many injuries to deal with. You know, even the, in the game today, Marlon Humphrey was in and out, and they're still super stout, super creative. Whereas, yeah, Jim Schwartz, it's really like he leans into the strengths of his players. Um, yeah, I, I think it's definitely worth an interview, but probably not my first choice. I think one of the reasons why I went with Tarver and what you're talking about with uh, with Schwartz's straightforward, no you know goofiness to it. And I use goofiness not as a disparaging remark, but you know, as as what you were talking about with the, with the Shanahan McVeigh motion ADHD stuff. But Lafleur has stated multiple times that it the defense needs to be uh, more comprehensible, less junk in it, mm-hmm. something they can understand a little bit better. And that's what he's going to be looking for. And I think that matches up a little bit with the Jim Schwartz thing, because like you said, you know, he's a little bit more straightforward. He goes out there, throws his stuff out there and says, Hey, if you can beat it, beat it. If not, we're going to run it on you all damn day. And you know, that could be something. Now, again, I'm just throwing names of possible uh, interviews out there, not saying that, you know, this guy is going to be the coach or whatever, but the, just some guys that they're probably going to look at here before they make a final decision. So uh, let's go ahead and you wrote down one that you'd like to see mentioned. Why don't you go ahead and talk about him a little bit? Yeah. So I guess this is kind of like, you know, my, my list is not super comprehensive um, as it probably would have been in years past, but <laughs> I really, um, I really do like what Dave Merritt has been doing on the chase. Um, he has been the, the the DB coach there for five five seasons now. Um, 
and yeah, he, again, uh, X player. I always think that's like that's kind of a nice thing to have uh, as, as a way of re- relating to your teammates. Um, yeah, I mean, purely again, let's just look at this this previous game. Uh, Kansas City is you know I, I almost sort of like in the mold of that um, that Super Bowl Bucks Bucks team from from a couple of years. They just have so many guys who are like really ultra physical, ultra sticky, ultra aggressive. And they just keep getting these guys in. I mean, you know, obviously Trent McDuffie, Legereus Sneed is practically an all-pro. Um, guys like Jalen Watson, Juan Thornhill, Joshua Williams. Um, oh, there's another safety I want to bring up. But, yeah, their DBs in, in Kansas City always play phenomenal. He coached Tyran Matthew um, when, when they won the, won the Super Bowl with him. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just like um, – yeah, really, it has a, a fantastic track record in the modern NFL, and kind of again, that really caters to what our DBs probably should be doing. You know, we, we, again, yeah, that weird sort of disconnect between the defensive coordinator and the and the, the drafting process. We had all these guys who were really physical, sort of man type corners: Valentine, Stokes, Alexander, um, less so Douglas when he was here. But yeah, these guys who really kind of thrive off of contact. That is exactly his forte. All those players that I just listed, that's exactly what they are. I mean, if you watch Legereus Sneed play, that guy is ultra physical. They're still disciplined in the run game. Very, very like smart with their hands. They, they're not really like a super ultra penalty heavy uh, DB room, even though they're still very aggressive. Um, yeah, I think that's like, that's probably like one of the best ways to utilize the talent that we already have on the roster. And some of these guys coming up like, um, I'm terrible with the draft this year as well. Uh, there's that corner. Uh, his name starts with a T, I think. Anyway, there's a, there's a few really, really nice man corners near where we're drafting at pick 25. Um, I Yeah, I really think that he'll be a fantastic pick, purely just from the level of elevating our DBs. Um, he, yeah, he's, yeah, again, he's experienced. He has experience in that, that Spagnuolo system. He also coached under um under the cardinals he's yeah he worked with exactly worked with buddha baker and with patrick steve uh patrick peterson um yeah i just think like as far as a track record of like proven success multiple year, different years with multiple different levels of, of talent he consistently has shown the ability to elevate the the players that he's working with which is something that we really have not had for a long time uh in 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 green bay um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how much you, you know about him, Joe, but, um, yeah, he's one of those guys I don't think he's absolutely worth an interview. Yeah. I really don't know much about him. I, I do know what you're talking about with that chief's defense. You know, the issue that I have with the chief's defense in a way is they run kind of like, I, I'm going to go with match it up to like the pet and defense where they're hot and cold. One game they're going to come out and just absolutely like they did to, uh, on today as of recording today they did with the Ravens where they just come out and just dominate the world and you know doesn't but then like the next day they're giving up a shit ton of you know cheap yards and and points and shit like that that so that's my only drawback but I can't blame him it could be the players it could be injuries it could be whatever I don't like I mentioned at the beginning of this I don't follow a ton of uh, coordinators and, you know, position coaches to know what the situation is. I know more of them on the Packers just because, Hey, we're a Packers, you know, podcast, we're Packer fans, you know, we know a little bit more of them. So, 
but other than that, I, I'm not really up on most of them. I suppose if I really wanted to, I could sit down and learn some more just to, <laughs> you know, uh, be more knowledgeable. But yeah, just looking at him real quick, he, he, you know, he had like a 27 year or he's been in the NFL for 27 years. Four of them was the player. And yeah, you, you mentioned it all. He's worked with some of the top, you know, uh, uh, top DBs in the league. He was with the Giants when they had Antrell Roll, Landon Collins, Dominic Rogers, cromartie Janoris Jenkins. Uh, he was mm-hmm. with the Jets for a while. He, you know, you know, stuff like that. So he's been around a lot of top guys. The big drawback, depending on what we're viewing is criteria for LaFleur search is age wise. I think what we put down, he's 50, 52. So he's a little bit above that 45 mark we've seen so far. So I, Hey, give him an interview. And one thing I mentioned, I talked about with you before recording is there's something going on weird with the KC uh, uh, coordinators where, they're not really getting looked at like a lot of other teams coordinators. You know, look how long it took that Aaron Eric Benini. Uh, I yeah, said I mean. it perfect before we started recording, and now I'm going to flub the whole damn thing. But yeah, that one. Um, <laughs> you know, and he didn't even he made a lateral move. He didn't even make. Uh, he didn't even make it as a head coach yet, and he wasn't really getting honest interviews for head coaching. Uh, Matt Nagy. You know, he was a failed uh, uh, head coach for obviously the Chicago Bears and went back. Now he's doing good, but you're not really seeing any interview type things for him. Spagnola, same kind of way. There's other coordinators in that you're not really seeing getting that, you know, getting that involvement. So it makes you wonder, are these guys just saying, hey, I don't want nothing to do with it. I'm right here in Kansas City. We're winning all the time. That's what we want. Or if some of these teams are just saying we're not going to touch them, so I there there's something there that's kind of and I, there's some kind of bias, there's some kind of taint to them. I don't know what it is. It just and I'm not saying that it, it they're bad. I'm just it makes me wonder what's going on that no other team in the league is really kind of wanting to do anything with them. So yeah, I I, I do think the Chiefs definitely have. Um... I will say from from a coaching perspective, they, they definitely have like a, a sort of like magnet magnetism about them. You know, I, if I was a coach and I, I didn't, I wasn't like pushing to become a, a head coach or if I was really trying to maximize my learning experience, I would absolutely stay with the Chiefs as long as I possibly could. I mean, right. they're, they're proven proven to be successful. Um, you know, this was supposed to be their down year. And they're playing Super Bowl in two weeks, so right, like they they they're they're always going to be good as long as they have Andy Reid and have Mahomes there. Um, I, yeah, and and yeah, and the fact that that Spags is content to just sit happy where he is when he could probably go out and contend for a head coaching gig somewhere else, um, I think really just really speaks to the strength of culture they have there. And yeah, like people don't feel like they need to get out of there as soon as they can. They don't feel like it's a temporary thing that they can keep learning and keep growing as as coaches, which I think. You know, sucks for the rest of the league, but good for Kansas City. Um, right, and, and that's why yeah. I said it. It's one of two things. It's either the other teams in the league don't want to touch them with a ten foot pole, or the coach, the coordinators, and the coaches on 
the Chiefs are just telling other teams, no, we're staying put. We're we're good where we're at. We'll probably stay here until Andy Reid decides to retire. And it, it's one of two things. It, it has to be one of two things because I can't see any other issues there. So, you know, if they can interview him and he wants the job, I, I would be more than happy with it because he does have the experience and it would be interesting to see that Spagnola type defense on the Packers with the talent that they currently have. So I've got one more I want to talk about and I get shit for every, and I didn't even put it on the notes. So Nick really doesn't even know which one uh, I'm kind of mentioning right now, but I keep getting shit for it, but I don't understand getting shit for it when everybody else was happy to say that they wanted another person that was basically the same thing. I mentioned interviewing possibly Steve Belichick. Now everybody oh. and their little brother was throwing out, Oh yeah. Bill Belichick's getting fired. He, we'd love to bring him in as a, as our defensive coordinator. That was never going to happen. I, I honestly think with Bill, it's either I'm going to get a head coaching gig or I'm retiring there. There's no yeah. demotion. It, it's going to be a lateral or nothing else, but I don't see any reasons why, and I do, I get sour looks every time I bring up Steve Belichick. A lot of the reason is because of the whole tongue wagging <laughs> type thing that he did, whatever. But then they fail to remember that Jordan Love does the same shit every other game when he's really concentrating on shit. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't deny the success that the Patriots have had on defense. And a yeah, lot of that uh... is the Bill Belichick situation and why not if you want one Belichick why not take the younger Belichick that's possibly going to stay for a lot longer than the older Belichick I yeah I just think that <laughs> I really think yeah I mean again if if I was in the league I'd, I would just try to interview as many people as possible and to surround myself with as much uh opportunity as I could but I don't know. I think I think probably it's because you're trying to chase things in the wrong direction, in my opinion. I just think what happened in New England was like it's it's I don't even think that that'll ever happen again. I think um no. the way that Bel Belichick uh he the control that he had over the entirety of the team and the continued failure of just about every other coordinator who left that team. Um, I just think, and also the fact that the, 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 one of the only reasons why Steve had the job there is pretty blatant that it was because of his relation to, to Bill, in my opinion. Um, look, I'm sure he, he probably does have a fantastic defensive mind and a good, a good head for football. I just think as far as a DC candidate, I don't think we've really seen enough from him as an individual coach to really bank on hiring him or any kind of replica of Patriots style success. Also because the Patriots are a team that continually evolved they, they they played football in several different distinct eras besides you know rule changes and player changes etc I, I just think it's it's a very dangerous game if if you hire someone like that hoping to get a similar effect rather than just the, their own kind of virtues and see i think a lot of people are mistaken for the reason that i'm not saying what you're getting is what the patriots had but you can't deny that he's been a solid coach for for what he's been coaching at, in New England. You can't deny that they haven't had success on the defensive side of the ball in New England. He's another part of that pedigree from New England. Look at what they just did. They, they gave the head coaching position to 
Jared Mayo, who's only been a position coach for five years. So, sure. you know, it, the, that means that there's a lot of trust in there. Do I think he's going to move? I think, honestly, if his dad gets another position, he'll try to poach Steve. So there's no doubts in my mind that it's an outside-the-realm possibility. But he's – one a couple of things that I've heard from the LaFleur press conference is that they're going to be looking for somebody who is a little bit more of a pass defensive ordinated or a pass defensive oriented. <laughs> I can't even talk right now. Oriented type of guy. And he kind of fits the mold. He's been the DB's coach. He's been the safety's coach. And he's helped a lot of guys. I mean, Stephen Gilmore, I have a whole list of them on my article that he were there when he was having while Belichick, Steve Belichick was the positions coach there. So I'm not saying what you're getting is the next Bill Belichick. I'm saying you're getting fresh blood that knows what he's doing and has the pedigree similar to what you would be saying by getting some of these guys that come from the berry tree, the, the petting tree. They're another guy. Barry in that tree. Barry tree doesn't well, exist. I'm just, I'm I know, <laughs> but I, I I'm using as examples, you know, like we're, we're talking about how like the Spagnola tree, you're hoping to get a guy from that tree that can treat the defense. Like he, like Spagnola did in that position. Cause that's yeah, always yeah. going to be your hope. I, yeah. I just think, Again, like with with especially the way that the Patriots defense operates, they really rely on very like specific types and sort of maximizing talent in in a very situational fashion. I just think the other guys that I, I like have ties to either new and innovative schemes or proven success or a mixture of both. Like like you know, again, my guy's Anthony Weaver, assistant head coaching experience. And literally working on the most cutting edge defense in the NFL that is just as dominant as any offense is. Um, they, that's the kind of guy that I'm interested in. I just don't see why I would in, I would go for Steve Belichick over another assistant coach who is one of, on, on one of those other like three or four teams. That I've never used. said I would take yeah, like, him over them. I just said in yeah, the yeah, realm of possibility. I'm just saying like. Sure. Yeah. I, I, yeah. No, sure. Um, yeah. I just think. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm like, why, as far as why people would not be interested in him, I just think there's, there's much better candidates, in my opinion. And, well, I honestly think a lot of people also are tainted because of the last name, and I don't think you can base something off of a person because of that last name. You know, that would be like saying, "Well, I don't want to talk to any Gregories because that Nick guy is such a <laughs> dick," and you know, but you know what I mean. Um, it just, but I think in the realm of things that he could be a possible interview, uh, dependent. Yeah. There are guys that I would rank way ahead of him. Anthony Weaver being one of them, Johnny Holland being one of them. Um, you know, even that Christian Parker from what I'm seeing being one of them, but what happens if you interview Anthony Weaver and he says, I, you know, Hey, I'm good where I'm at or what I'm really, the only way I'm leaving is if I get a head coaching position, then you got to start looking elsewhere. Then you got to go to your next guy in line. Okay. Johnny. Hey, Johnny, you know, I, we really want you in this. Hey, I appreciate the offer, but I, I'm good where I'm at. I'm not really a play caller. I'm a developer. Then you got to go to the next guy in your line. 
I just don't see why you would keep him completely off your list when he has shown to have a proven ability to be able to do, especially, and, and this is one thing that really boggles my mind. He never played football. He played college lacrosse. <laughs> so to be able to step into the NFL ranks and yeah, a lot of it has to be because of his dad, but from a guy who's experienced with that, with the whole Iowa situation right now, just because your dad's a good coach doesn't mean the son's going to be a good coach. And so far they've not done anything to get rid of him. And it sounds like a lot of the players really like him. And, you know, like I said, he's got, he's helped coach some pretty good positional players up there. Sure. Are um, you looking it up right now? I'm, 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 I'm trying to get more familiar with what he's, he's done recently. <coughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I just he's, don't see it. He, he has. He's a Nepo. He spent a lot of time. He's never been anywhere outside of New England, but he's done a lot of the same position. He's done a lot of different positionals. I think he started out at linebacker, then he moved to the safety ranks, and then he kind of went into the. I think he just became the defensive assistant. So, yeah, he's got a lot of Nepo to him, but that still doesn't. <laughs> Uh, that still doesn't stop showing that he's helped out a lot of the positional groups up there. So he does have a lot of understanding of what he's doing. You know what? He does have three Super Bowl rings, so we'll give him that. <laughs> and those don't, uh, unlike a lot, what a lot of people think, those don't just grow on trees, man. They, they really don't. <laughs> so, you know, that's really all I'm going to bring up. I mean, we could have like a three-hour show just on guys that, are interesting or anything like that. Are there any others that you would really like to bring up or have any thoughts on, or do you have any predictions? Do you have any hopes? I, I, there's one thing I did forget to mention that two or three of the guys that they've already interviewed have four, three backgrounds. I think it's the guy from the Cowboys and Babbage from the bills have four, three uh, backgrounds. And that's got a lot of people thinking that maybe LaFleur is open to switching the defense to more of a 4-3 front, which I think in a way would help out or would suit better some of the players that are on the team, but I don't think they'll make a full switch. But anyway, you know, like I said, are, do you have any other thoughts or any other guys you want to bring up or any last well, opinions? It's more just like in speaking in broad strokes. Uh, with, with the 4-3 the thing, I just think – in today's NFL, it's not really like uh, it's not really a thing. Like um, it's not like you don't define uh, a, a coach's scheme by whether they're running a four three or a three four. I mean, like you know, nickel is basically base now. So it's um, it's really like you know, I just think that's a bit of a, in my opinion, it's a bit of an outdated classification because it's really just based on who you have in the room. You know, I think you know technically the Packers kind of have enough guys that can play inside that you probably want to play some kind of variation of, of a four, three, they they still don't really have a true reliable nose tackle to be at the, um, at the center there. Um, but yeah, yeah, whatever. I, I, I think with, you know, I, I, talked, I talked a lot about this when I was on the pod originally, but I think people get really caught up in like 
oh, I like this game and I like that game and whatever. You know, again, I, you know, I said some similar things earlier, but I think what you really should be chasing is guys who can just effectively communicate because, you know, um, obviously you do want to be involved in a good scheme and especially in the NFL, you know, defense generally operates a couple of years behind offense because offense is so much easier to kind of uh, pioneer, whereas defense, you still have to be reactive and you know, adaptive where you can't really dictate as well. Um, yeah, I just think people should not really be um, so attached to their their priors. You know, I really see like a lot of it, you know, like, again, it's this strange like dismissal of the Fangio tree. Um, and again, there's always going to be like bad coaches in every tree, every scheme. There's always going to be people who are just not good teachers or communicators. It's not an indictment on a particular system. You know, every, every system has strengths and weaknesses. It's more so the coach, uh, um, the coaching aspect of it. I think, um, yeah, I think, yeah, people just need to like, yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, I think people should just have a bit more of a holistic view on kind of what's happening rather than just being like, you know, oh, he worked for this guy. So he's going to be immediately be good because the guy he worked under was good or, you know, vice versa, it'd be bad because the guy he worked under was bad. You know, and like, I, I see it a little bit with Christian Parker even, and I'm, I'm not even saying he's my favorite candidate, but, you know, it's because he was involved right. in that 70-point loss, which potentially <laughs> was, going, was going to end up as the worst loss in NFL history. Um, it's like, you know, that, that like, <laughs> that is not an indictment on him at, at a personal level of his ability to coach. There's a multitude of reasons why that happened, things like that, you know, like the, yeah, coaching, it's complicated. You know, there's a human aspect to it. Um, and obviously you want someone with a proven track record, but in, uh, in lieu of uh, someone who you know is going to be good. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it's, 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 it's really just hard for us to even say, you know, we, we, it's, it, it, when it comes down to like personalities and communication and things like that, it's really hard for us to judge with the information that we have. I think just dismissing candidates outright who, you know, based on kind of, yeah, based on your prior evaluation, of things that you don't even really know that well, like their presence in the locker room. I think, um, I don't know, it's, I think it's like sort of a bit of a, a misguided sense of sense of judgment. No, you're right. I mean, even, even Joe Barry, I don't think anybody ever gave a fair shake to just because of the taint that he had coming in. You know, the, the bad seasons he had in Washington, the bad seasons he had in, in Detroit, and all that, but you know, sometimes it doesn't work out in the case of like a Joe Barry, but some cases like a Steve Spagnola, it does work out. Or if you didn't give other chances to, Pete Carroll would have never been with the 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 Seahawks and did what he did there. Because if you base that off of his previous, he was the head coach for the Patriots and and even the, the Jets and still didn't do shit he had to go to the college ranks to work his way back up. So, you know, it, it just, you can't just base it off of one thing or the other. You got to give everybody a fair shake, but nope, everything that, that sounds good to me. I, I think we had a really, really good conversation on the possibilities. <laughs> Hopefully they don't, they don't rush into anything. Hopefully they can, you know, take their time, get some, feelers out get get an idea of what they're looking for which i think it sounds like lafleur has with him wanting more of a pass-oriented guy and and you know a more simple approach to a defensive scheme but nick is there anything you want to plug 
before we sign off here? Um, no, honestly, yeah, I'm, um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm just happy, happy to be here, really. Um, yeah, I mean, Joe, it was, it was lovely to, to get to talk to you again. I, I'm not as sharp as I, as I usually am with, with these things. <laughs> um, this, this, especially like, you know, I, I just finished working over the weekend, and that's when all the news dropped about the Christian Parker interviews and that kind of thing. So I haven't had a chance to be as on top of it as I usually am with my notes and stuff. But um, no, it was, it was a great time. I had a good time. Well, Nick, it's always great to have you on. I'm hoping that we can get you on more often just for old time's sake. Uh, you know, it, you know, get that Outback Packers back again type thing going on. But, you know, I, I know you said you got some music coming out pretty soon. Is there is there anything with that you want people to look for? Or, this is your time, man. Tell the tens of <laughs> tens of people what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I have my my little band um, we, we, on, on Instagram. We're called called Big Cat. Um, yeah, our, our current handle is a uh, Big Cat dot band. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're going to be recording some stuff re- relatively soon in the coming months. Um, but yeah, yeah. Honestly, besides that, I'm I'm just kind of doing my own thing and just chilling out. Yeah, it's really funny being on on uni holiday. I mean, I'm so used to this like Australian summer being my my busiest time of the year you know years past work like you know, in this time of the year work like 70 hour weeks or whatever you know like a couple of years ago i had a, a streak where it was like 10 days in a row about 100 hours um and that was like you know that's kind of just what i got used to over the summer and then now yeah with uni I've, I've been on holiday from november and i don't finish my holiday until the end of next month so it's a stark stark <laughs> contrast um and it feels weird to have this much free time on my hands um, so yeah, I'm honestly just chilling. <laughs> no, that's great. Uh, so be sure to check out Nick's Instagram for any of his upcoming music and uh, to keep tabs on what he's doing over there. So uh, I, I think that's a good place to end the the pod. So be sure to check us out. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Iowa underscore Joe eight six. Kwano is at Kwano Mike. Nick is at Nicholas GRGR. The show is at Ohana underscore Packers. Be sure to follow the podcast. We are still like 24 away from hitting that 230 mark where we're going to give it. And I don't have it with me right now. I, I know where it's at, but the John Kuhn autographed eight by 10. We still want to give that away. We still need to hit our mark. We're so close to doing it. So please be sure to like, please be sure to subscribe. Please be sure to follow. Pass it on. Tell your people. Follow us until we hit that 230, and then let us give it away, and then you can unfollow us again. I don't care what you got to (laughs) do. Just let us hit that mark. Um, You can find the podcast anywhere you get your favorite podcasts, Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcasts, if that's still a thing, all the other ones. You can also find the video version of it on YouTube. Be sure to check out our website. We're hoping to have a lot more of the draft stuff coming up. We'll have like Miranda and Joey and myself and Mike and everybody else on there talking about the draft pretty soon. I've got some ideas for some other things coming out. The website is ohanapackers.org. If you have any suggestions, please be sure to send us your messages. You can DM us. You can tweet at us you can send us emails you can hit us up on the website there is a section on the website let us know what you think good or bad we don't care let us know but i i 
again, Nick, it was great to have you on. This is where Mike would say wishing you a go pack go and aloha, but I'm not going to do it. We're going to have Nick finish it like we used to finish it. If Nick remembers how to finish it. So Nick, give him a good old uh, Outback Packers outro. You're muted. You just messed it up. You're muted. <laughs> uh, and until next time, guys, we'll see you later. Go Pack Go.